together, Bunnell Street Art Center and the museum in Huebda are delighted to be participants in an artistic residency exchange, a cultural exchange that's now spanned almost a year and a half as we began um, this project um, when Tomas Gustafsson and Mette Muley visited us in Alaska to discuss the potential for a residency exchange. And we later received funding from Alaska Community Foundation's Irma Scavinius Fund. And so each um, entity, Benel from Homer and Huebda Museum from Huebda, Sweden, invited a artist from the opposite um, from the other side of the world, practically, to be a part of an, a residency, which has been much delayed, right? Now we're going on, um, well, over a year. And so um, it's exciting today just to check in with these artists and look at the ways that artists are maneuvering these sort of pandemic shifts. And so I just want to, to welcome you all and, um, to um, begin by inviting Barrett Stena, a multidisciplinary artist, a fiber artist and dancer and um, artist with a very engaged social practice to talk to us a little bit about how the bubble of your creative focus looks today. Tell us a little bit mm -hmm. about how that creative bubble has shifted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been a, a bubble. Um, I haven't been seeing people for quite a while. It's just recently opened up. So I have met some people just this week, actually. But otherwise, it has been just in my own bubble in my studio and at home. But although uh, it has been a bubble, it has also been a very, very intensive um, year of a lot of work actually and um, that thanks to Skövde Art Museum I've got two uh, or more assignments or or, or uh, work to do with the museum so I'm very delighted and happy for that thank you and also this new uh, collaboration with Mandy uh, is also something that is very uh, exciting and new. And uh, it's a lot of work, I think, right now. So my bubble is good right now. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, Vera. Mandy, Bernard, welcome to this dialogue. We're so happy to have you with us. And you know, here you are in Homer, and that's not far from Benel at all, but yet, we've barely seen you and um it's just wonderful and really important to connect in this way love to hear about how you're faring in your bubble and, and what it looks like these days yeah um better better now this uh you know a year on i think um as far as my own practice Things haven't changed that much because I um, I'm fortunate to have a home studio space and um, my work in that is very solitary. Um, so in that front, things have not changed. But what has changed is, like you said, I haven't seen any of you. Um, I our typical 
robust small town arts activities from Benel and a lot of other um, organizations in town uh, either haven't been happening or have been happening in, in different remote ways. Um, so that, that aspect, and there's a lot of people in the community, uh, the arts community, especially that I'm used to seeing um, sort of casually, but regularly through those activities. And uh, that's been, that's been totally removed. Um, and as, as far as my own work at the beginning, uh, at the beginning of things, it was, I had a really hard time. Um, just the, the transition and um, a lot of fear and worry. And uh, so I really didn't, I did not produce anything for quite some time and wasn't, um, you know, sort of on complete hold, watching how things, how the world was changing and wondering how my world would be changing. And, um, and that did shift over time. And um, uh, being able to, to get back into that and get back into a rhythm and um, I'd say especially probably the last six months things have been um, in terms of my own working practice back to normal if not um, fairly elevated as uh, uh, Bera said you know we we have this collaboration and are, are fortunate to receive um, support from Huevda Museum for that and um, also right about the the beginning of um, throughout the pandemic I found out that I had uh, received several grants um, Erasmus and individual artist award and um, some funding from Alaska State Council in the Arts and so it was <laughs> yeah that was very helpful because there's almost like an assignment. These projects that I had envisioned prior to pandemic um, that were spanning this period or um, got bumped out quite a bit because things were so unknown for a while, but that's certainly helped to keep my motivation and um, given me a goal to work toward. So that's, it's, that's been very helpful, very good. That's really great to hear. And it's so exciting and valuable that Huebda Museum is supporting this creative exchange. And so um, I'd like to reintroduce Meta, really a curator from Huebda Museum who's joined us today. Welcome, Meta. We're so happy to have you with us. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how the museum decided to support this um, cross-cultural exchange and how the museum is faring these days. Could you give us a little bit of an orientation to what you've been up to? Hi, and thank you for having me again. It's nice to be back and to see you, everyone. Um, yeah, I work at Konstmuseet i Skövde, the art museum there in Skövde in Sweden. And um, we have been fortunate to have the museum open um, last year. We are actually closed now, but until October last year, we were open and we had the possibility to have visitors in a in, in a small amount and it was a great way to to give culture to the people when when you have when you're isolated and when you have nowhere to go and so on but since November last year we are now also closed so 
that's the situation for for us and i'm also working from home since um a year now actually i've been at the museum a few times last autumn um but now we're here um and as you told us uh, me and my colleague we came to alaska um actually almost two years ago one and a half to start this uh, residency project and after meeting new asia we we decided to to develop the project and do an exchange and uh, we also wanted to keep the faith up for the artists for us for you so that um, we feel that something is actually going on even if we can't see each other in a while so we decided to just um, encourage the emberits uh, to do some kind of exchange where they they can be totally free in their artistic practice and how they want to do the exchange and we're trying to like keep up the contact and to, to yeah just to encourage them to to get to know each other and yeah to do to do things together even though they can't meet and we can't meet and we can't do the residency that we planned for at the moment yeah i know that um the museum in huevda has a really um profound investment in this residency exchange and that's demonstrated by this form of continued support could you just talk a little bit about um briefly to kind of orient us um how Huevda Museum is supported, how you are able to support the residency project. And um, then I'd like to step back and, and look at um, the decision to be closed now and why that came to be. Yeah, from the beginning, it was 2014, we started our residency and it's actually only been one artist a year. and. Uh, that is uh, uh, like a permanent part of our work at the museum. And it's funded by the region. So we have it, we, we apply for three years at a time to do residency and we try to make it as a permanent part. Um, and um, then since uh, two years back, we decided that we wanted to try to, to de develop it a bit. Um, and that was, Actually, when we came to Alaska, we had this thought since before, and it was um, our, our ideas were growing during the trip. And uh, since then, we also got um, a collaboration with um, uh, um, It's like the governmental funding uh, residency project, IASPIS, uh, it's called. So we decided to try to make a second residency. And this second residency funded by ESPIS is the one that we are uh, doing with Mandy. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll do this year. So, and that's also a tryout. It's the first time we try to, uh, to do the second residency. So, and we've been waiting for a long time to actually to do it. <laughs> And um, sorry, what was the other question about the museum that you asked me? Yeah, with, with this dream in mind to, you know, build your residency program and how long you've waited, it, it really must be 
challenging, you know, as it is for all of us to just keep sort of forestalling the, the progress, but, but at the same time, adapt and innovate ways to maintain connection. So you said that the museum had managed to stay open until November. And did you close because the pandemic just kind of got too intense there in Sweden and it was time to enact some more distancing? Uh, it is actually a, a museum uh, that is run by the municipality. So it was a decision made by the municipality of Hebda. So it was uh, including all like uh, swimming halls and uh, cultural center and uh, the libraries. And uh, for the library, for example, you, you can come and you can pick up your reserved books and leave books, but you can't come inside. But it was like a common decision when we saw that the numbers were raising in uh, general in uh, West Sweden. So it was a decision based um, uh, partly on the region, but partly also on, on uh, the Sweden in whole. Um, and it was made by the municipality, not by the museum ourselves. So, and since then, Certainly. we got decisions for, for three weeks at a time. So we, we don't really know how the situation will be. Hmm. So you're it's literally kind of going week, week to week to just see how it will unfold as you kind of watch the numbers in Sweden. Yeah, wow. And so um, just, just curious, how is Sweden thinking about like the vaccinations or is there any plan to roll out um, the vaccination program? Yeah, it's going on at the moment and now they're focusing on certain groups and I'm not sure, but I heard until midsummer time, most of the population should be vaccinated, but it's going up and down all the time, the news and the, um, yeah, the actual, the actual um, uh, amount of vaccine that we have. So it's, it's not for sure. But the plan mm -hmm. is by the summer, we should all be vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about the level of immunity in Sweden. I recently read the New York Times that the immunity in the United States is approaching 40% because about 30% of people have either had COVID or, and, you know, really knew they had it or carried it and had it and didn't even realize they had it. Um, and then there's um, about 18% of people now are vaccinated. So we're approaching 40%. Um, what does it look like in Sweden? Do you know? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know if you know Beris, but I don't have a number. No, I don't even know if it's a number. No. Sorry. I'm not sure. No. Yeah. Okay. And so while the museum is closed, um, did you just put a hold on all of your exhibits? And um, what are you, tell me about what you're focusing on from the backside in the museum. Yeah, it's been difficult as we've been, as That's I told, to you, getting mm -hmm. information for three weeks at a time. So we're just hoping to reopen, hoping to reopen. And so we have been keeping the exhibitions there um, and keeping the faith up. And we did some digital uh, programs and some digital guided tours and so on. And we're still hoping for it because there was a new decision made by the government this week that museums uh, 
um, are allowed to apply the same rules as shopping malls and so on, that you need a certain amount of square meters per person and you're allowed to reopen. Um, so some of the museums are actually open this week and next week around in Sweden. Um, so we have been keeping the faith during the whole time, like a bit maybe too optimistic. Um, so we've been planning quite like normal, but with additionally programs that we have been doing digitally. And uh, we're also now planning to, to perform these uh, residencies and we are working on a, on a next one already. So hopefully we will have three residence artists this year. Um, and we're also having new projects in mind, which uh, one of them, Berit is a part of. I'm sure she will tell more about uh, uh, Utomhusen later. It's a project by the Stockholm Museum of Women's History. It's a uh, quite new museum without walls. It's more like an uh, umbrella um, museum that uh, collects other museums' um, collections. And uh, they do programs and art projects to just uh, raise awareness of uh, um, women's history. So we're a part of uh, that museum, for example. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yes, I'd love to hear more about that. Let's switch back to, to the artist, starting with you again, Bereth. Um, you spoke about you know, the, the, your creative bubble and the focus. And both um, you and Mandy kind of referenced actually kind of an elevated level of focus and engagement right now. And I'm really curious about that. Um, tell me, um, tell all of us, if you would, just um, what you mean by that increased depth and elevated focus. Is it more projects than normal? And what's the nature of the projects that's taking you and kind of to this um, really intensified practice right now? Me? Yes, that's for you, Barry. Okay. Uh, well, I guess that this bubble uh, means that there is a sort of reset time for uh, me, at least. I don't see that much many people. So, and sometimes meeting people and going far every day and commute takes a lot of energy. And I guess all this. Um, it makes this time sort of different for me. I feel I have more energy and also there are more collaborations going on online like this with Zoom possibilities. And actually I broadened and widened, how do you say widened, broadened my, mm -hmm. my uh, connections with people, uh, not just in, in Homer, Alaska, which is fantastic, but also in Sweden. And uh, I guess it's due to the pandemic that this is happening right now. I can't really explain why, but uh, it's sort of focused in another way. Yeah, do you, do you feel that as well, Mandy? Is it, have you experienced that kind of like deepened practice and level of focus and engagement? Yeah, I, I said not initially, because initially I just sort of froze <laughs> on everything and um, uh, working through 
everything that was changing. But now what, you know, once getting past that, um, I said, for me personally, I'm, I am accustomed to working alone, but I also, um, I'm, uh, very introverted and, um, get more energy, uh, from <laughs> quiet times alone. So that's certainly been heightened during this period. Um, my, my day job is, um, is on Zoom and from home, working from home. And um, I uh, <laughs> am certainly on the um, very cautious side of <laughs> the spectrum in terms of my comfort level with um, going out. So I, I, I don't, I haven't. Um, there were a handful of times this past summer where, you know, uh, a one friend at a time would come over and we would sit out in the garden <laughs> far on opposite sides of the garden. Um, but otherwise I haven't been engaging with people at all. Um, and I know for, for a lot of people that's been a real struggle. Um, and for me, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of wonderful. And I don't, you know, I, it's not, I don't feel isolated. Um, Personally, because as, as Barrett said, in some ways, so many things have opened up. Um, you know, all of your the Benell's weekly programming, these podcasts uh, are just one of so many things. And there's a lot of um, arts institutions across the United States and, and some abroad as well that I've followed for some time. And now throughout the pandemic, they're starting to offer. Um, artist talks online um, on Zoom and also trainings. You can take more classes now. And so in that sense, I have a lot more um, access and uh, to things that, especially being in Alaska too, were removed in another sense. So um, in many ways, I, not that the pandemic has been good and if, in any sense, but um, I'm I'm glad to see that so many institutions and organizations are realizing that there's more than one way to reach people and connect, and um, and that's that's been lovely. And so again, just for me personally, that the energy has been there because I haven't uh, I'm not feeling drained from <laughs> from going to the office or interacting with people in, in different ways. And um, so it's been a real, uh, <laughs> real increase in creativity. And then again, these ongoing um, funding for projects that I have, have been, I am, I'm very uh, deadline driven. So, and task oriented. So having these things have really kept me on track and, and moving and focused on, um, a few different collaborations and funded projects. And so, yeah, in my personal life, things have really, um, <laughs> really ratcheted up in the past six months. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. I, I'm hearing that from a lot of different artists and, and pleased to see that there are things we're learning and adapting to around this pandemic that, um, hopefully some of which we can take with us moving forward. But I want to go back to Meta, our curator from Cuevda Museum, to hear a little bit about um, the projects that you're working on, specifically the things that um, 
have happened inside and around the museum to enliven it creatively during this time. Granted, you say some things are on hold right now, but what exactly would we find at the museum if we could get in there? Uh, do you want me to share some photos maybe? That'd be wonderful. All right. All right. So this is um, the museum, actually the cultural center that was built in 1964, where we're situated together with a theater and a library and a cinema. Um, some of you have seen it in my presentation before, but this is where I work, where I'm, when I'm at work, and I, I, I really miss being in this creative house. So it's different to, to just sit at home every day. Um, let's see if I can change. This is the exhibition that we opened in October when the museum was still open. It's an artist called Shuya Shia. Uh, she's Malaysian, but she lives in Sweden and she works with question about uh, the land. Um, and uh, uh, in this specific uh, installation, she, she grew wheat grass in the museum. So this is the beginning of the exhibition when it just opened in October. This is the exhibition, how it looks I looked until recently because it's we are taking it down now. It was supposed supposed to be open for five months, but we were open less than one month. So it has been an amazing project to follow, even though we couldn't open it for visitors. We have been um, doing um, guided tours, digital guided tours. We have a 3D uh, presentation that will be up on our website soon as well. So that's uh, the audience will be able to, to take part of the exhibition, at least uh, with their eyes, because there is so much more to experience in, a, in an installation like this, where you can actually uh, touch the grass and you can smell the, the wheatgrass and you can see the process and everything. So it has been both fascinating to have uh, this artist working with us, but also a bit sad to not be able to to give more people the opportunity to, to follow it. And we, we've been doing our best to just document it and um, having these guided tours. And we're actually doing a, a little closing party digitally next week where we will have an artist talk with uh, Shuya and uh, yeah. Uh, and as well, we, uh, another uh, museum got the eyes on the exhibition and it's going to travel further to the north after this. So we hope that it will be able, able to open soon in the, in the north of Sweden. Uh, and this is... Uh, and I assume... Sorry? Yeah. Oh, I'm curious to know if the exhibit had been, I, I imagine with museum planning, had been picked long before the pandemic. If it had... Shuya's exhibit had been selected and planned long before the pandemic. Yes, yes, it it was planned long before. Um, yeah, but luckily, at least we could open it and we could have it, and yeah, somehow yeah. we we can feel the exhibition because it's been there all the time. And uh, yeah. yeah, there's such a poetic kind of poignance be, behind that imagery of grass growing and flourishing and then dying inside those closed walls, you know, mm. during this time. Yeah. Tell us uh, about these images that you have now. 
this is uh, another room. It's the balcony and the same uh, hall that you just saw. It's the same artist, Shia Chia, and she's the artist that you see on the photographs on the wall. And she uses leek to make, um, she called these leek warriors. She makes dresses out of leek and she she dries them. So she works a lot with nature material materials and with questions regarding how we how we use our land and how we use our nature. So I think it's a this is also a very yeah it's a very strong work and it's um, it's something to think about during <laughs> this time um, during a pandemic. Yeah, it's kind of symbolic. And this is another uh, room. It's, she called it the participatory room where um, the audience themselves can come inside and to, and to experience her works and to listen to her. But you can also participate by writing messages to other participants and uh, to her. And luckily, as I said, we have been open. So there are some messages. I don't know if we can... Yeah, we had some participants in October coming to us and writing some messages. So this is, um, it's, it's mixed feelings um, with this exhibition going on for so long because we actually changed the programming only recently that we, we wanted to keep our exhibitions for longer. So we have our bigger exhibitions with contemporary art open for five months. So um that was the plan anyway so this is another project that we uh, started to collaborate with um me together with um um uh, it's kind of a, a collective house and um also um um a, a filmer and uh, an artist artist who's sitting in the armchair himself he's opening up a little project space with the lectures a small uh, museum and so on in his studio so the, all of us decided to try to lift local artists in other ways because he, he himself Jonas Livera is his name he was fed up with having so many cancelled exhibitions uh, I think he had five cancelled exhibitions uh, during last year. So we decided to, to get together to make um, a cinema project where we will highlight uh, local artists around Kövde and make small uh, short films, uh, studio visits, and try to produce them and then show them at uh, cinemas around, first in the West region and um to start with so this is a project that i've been very happy to be involved with because it's a way to at least um show that we care about you artists and we want to to support you and to give you work even though we can't show exhibitions at the moment that's a powerful image and a really um kind of prismatic view of like intimacy and connection. There's similar discussions happening here about how artists can reach each mm -hmm. other and connect. This is just a screenshot from the filming from uh, the same place um, from that day when we filmed. Uh, 
and this is something also that goes on right now. It's um, um, it's an art local artist. She runs a little um, a little space in her home out in a rural area outside of Khabda. Uh, and uh, she was also supposed to invite two artists to the museum and curate herself and do something such nice as um, we call it three coffee. I mean, coffee three o'clock. Uh, it's a big thing in Sweden that you filka, you drink coffee and you have a little cake and you do it together many times a day. And three o'clock is uh, a time where, where you do it. Um, a lot of people so she decided as a part of these these exhibitions to have uh, coffee uh, with guests every sunday at the museum during the exhibition period um exhibition the first exhibition couldn't open it was last week when it was supposed to have an uh, opening party uh, but she decided still to do these uh, coffee breaks every Sunday. So we are really glad to host them and we're doing them through Zoom and she's also recording them and she have a lot of art, interesting artists coming and just uh, talking about their work and we drink coffee together and uh, just sharing thoughts about basically anything. Uh, it's uh, the guests that she is inviting that decides the topic for the day. So this is something that I really appreciate. Appreciate, and I know that Berit is um, actually helping the artist. She's uh, Annette Kjellander, um, uh, the the lady on the photo drinking coffee in uh, her friend's uh, ceramics, um, and Berit is helping her this Sunday to host the the digital coffee meeting. And this is a photo from uh, the first one that uh, I hosted on, on uh, Sunday together with uh, some of the artists. And here you can see uh, an artist called uh, Lotte Nilsson Valima. She's uh, live painting um, at an uh, uh, elderly's home. She's painting the, is it called iris in English as well? The eye? Um, yes. Yeah. So she's live painting in the in the Zoom um, coffee break last Sunday, um, and the, the the lady on the in the middle of the photo. It was also her birthday, so they had cake at this particular first uh, coffee. So it was amazing. So it's nice still that we can support and do things together, even though we can't meet really. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Netta. Recently, I had a discussion with several um, people who have been regular participants in the inspiration and adaptation dialogues. And one of the things that came out of it is very much like what you're showing us, this idea of like a coffee and studio visit. And I think that's something that I, I want to institute while having less frequent public inspiration adaptation chats create a space for artists to connect that's not recorded and that's just um you know limited to like a handful of people where they can you know through zoom be present in each other's studios to see what work you know is in process and and to um just to connect on an unorchestrated human level 
Yeah. yeah. So I these are interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to say that these are things that are going on now. And what we're waiting mm -hmm. for is to host Bert and Mandy. I mean, to, to, to do this residency. This is also something that we are really excited for and hoping to do this autumn. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I want to talk more about that, but I just wanted to, to say that it, it's fascinating how during COVID museums um, and cultural spaces have created more accessibility to, to people who might, because of other mobility issues that have nothing to do with pandemic, have difficulty, you know, engaging with artists and interacting in creative spaces, but through Zoom and through, um, you know, different sorts of virtual rooms, the opportunity to, um, to interact is, is really being explored and expanded in ways that are totally relevant and important to other major issues around accessibility. I know um, in, this, in the United States, you know, so many institutions are a long way from really meeting the, the um, responsibilities of the American with, Americans with disabilities, Americans with Disabilities Act. And so just what are the ways that we can create access that 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 are that are good for everybody? You know, it's exciting. So let's um let's talk about what what uh, Barrett and Mandy are doing. You guys have started um, this cross-cultural exchange, and um I'd love to to turn it back to you um, to sort of collaboratively verbally describe it lest I do a poor job. So can I, can I invite you to open up that um, description? Barrett, would you begin? We have been uh, exchanging both digital notes and uh, messages. We're showing each, each other the environment where we live, the, the countryside where we both that we both love, but on the other side of the world, the opposite side of the world. And it's been really, really nice to, to have these small chats that we have online also, and Zoom meetings and so on, that you, you guys don't see, that we just have me and Mandy sometimes. <laughs> and um, just recently, we... Uh, I had a physical postage, postage, is that the word? Uh, a package coming from you, Mandy. And while you talk a little bit, I will go and get that, okay? <laughs> because I forgot to, so please. Uh... That sounds great. <laughs> we had, um, so the museum had invited us to consider how, uh, since the residency was was postponed and pushed out a little bit, how we might um, work on something in the, <laughs> see her dog taking her place, uh, how we might work in the, in the interim um, towards this goal. And, and again, it, uh, looking on the bright side of things, um, that's actually been very nice as well. I've had more time mentally to sort of prepare for um, this residency will be a big uh, experience and, and journey for me to live, um, live abroad for two months away from family and um, 
So it's very exciting and it gives me more time to wrap my brain around that coming up, but it's also been very nice um, getting to know Barith on a personal level and for us to have the time to have this dialogue and exchange. And we had come up with um, somewhat of a loose uh, exchange idea and, and as Barith said, I've been having conversations over Zoom and uh, we, we've used umpteen different um, online platforms from Instagram and Facebook and uh, Zoom and Trello and, and different things. So much like the rest of the world, figuring out the best way to communicate with different um, online platforms. Um, but just getting to know one another and share some of the, there's a lot of similarities, I think, between um, uh, where we're each living in these northern climates and um, and also there's some overlap between the uh, some connection with with fiber um, in Barrett's work as well as mine and um, so we had sort of loosely set up this this exchange that we would communicate and learn more about and and send little um, informal snippets to each other of, of our place. And then we did, um, we created an Instagram page so that uh, it's no longer between, it, it's between she and I, but it's also public. Um, and um, that an additional component could be since it's such a long time frame that we would send uh, physical objects to each other that to sort of um, uh, communicate through our work in different ways. and. Um, I think <laughs> it took a month for mine to get there. So it was, it'll, you know, it, it'll be a long, a long exchange, but <laughs> that's um, a, uh, a component of it. And, and we're still figuring out what the, what the end product of that will look like. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's been lovely. So it, the, the, slow process of mail is just a further dimension of this attenuated time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think it would be ordinarily, but then uh, with these like global postage delays, <laughs> it's, it's, it's extra slow, <laughs> but that's, you know, the, I think everyone jokes about what, what is time anymore? <laughs> Things are so different and, and that's, yeah, our perspective on a lot of things has changed. So there's there's no, and we discussed that early on that we we didn't want it to be. We both have a lot of other additional projects and um, responsibilities and deadlines. So we didn't want this to be a, a high pressure um, thing with very specific deliverables, but uh, more of a um, uh, free flow associative you know, as natural developing um, project. And, and that's that's been good and nice to see what's coming out of that. So I'm excited to see we all are what you mailed to Bareth. And did, Bareth, did you just go grab that? Did, were you able to locate yeah. that? Do you what see it? <laughs> it's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> that Mandy sent, it's a, done with the tufting gun and it's beautiful it's um, inspired by our 
a common interest in net. You, Mandy, you you were actually uh, for quite a while in in the net mending business, <laughs> and uh, I do a lot of net when I crochet. So it's it's like we have this common interest in in that sort of uh, uh, language, you could say, mm -hmm. and this is. It's, it's very hard to describe. This is also, if I put it like this, it's sort of uh, in, in a level that you could sort, mm -hmm. sort of feel that. It's uh, in two levels. Beautiful mm -hmm. work. The back is also beautiful, <laughs> Mandy. <laughs> I'm also happy when this big package, my daughter came running and she said, you got made from Alaska, mom. And this came. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so now it's my In turn. In addition, yeah. It's my turn to send something to Mandy soon. And are you working on that now? Are you yes, creating that? I, uh -huh. Yes, I am. It's going to be a, a more bodily work. Um, actually something that you could put in an envelope, but you could also unfold the whole thing. And I'm not gonna say more, but it might even fit your body. Oh, no, I'm not saying. <laughs> it's so fascinating how the two of you share so many different um, visual languages. So you have the net and the thread. You have that propensity to want to create things that interact with the body as a wearable expressive form. And then you also both have this thing about the color orange. Could you talk a little bit about that, Mandy? <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's, it's not, uh, <laughs> I don't know that there's a lot of depth or um, uh, significance behind that, but Bareth had posted a picture of um, some yarn, which which does have an excellent backstory. And, and I just said, well, that's, <laughs> that is my favorite color. That's a, a color that I associate with quite a bit. And, and she said, no, 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 that's mine. <laughs> so <laughs> delighted to hear that that was another similarity. <laughs> something to, um, something to talk about. Yeah, it reminds me that, um, you know, in making work many times a teacher will say that a limited palette is really going to be the source of strength, so the limited palette of ideas, of visual forms, of colors, etc. Will, will lend focus, will lend depth, will strengthen, you know, conceptual connections. And so it's interesting to see what, that you guys are winnowing in toward those shared sort of literally those threads, those colors, those forms that connect you. So are you envisioning like um, kind of a every couple months or so sending something back and forth, a, a piece of work, a physical object? Yeah, I think I said we, we had said that we didn't want to set um, firm deadlines for it because things are uh, it's still difficult changing times. And uh, we both had several other projects going on. But um, for me personally, I think in my mind, I had thought. Um, once a month, of course, the in the the uh, tufted piece I mailed to Barrett at the end of January, um, and now it's mid March, and I <laughs> so you know we have that flexibility. But um, especially now, knowing how long, you know, hopefully, 
hopefully shipping times improve a little bit, but um, that's my personal goal. Mm -hmm. Can can I ask you a little bit more about that piece that you made um, for Barrett, and then we'll turn to questions from our, our listeners because I'm sure they there are some. How did you come to that form? That you know, first of all, I'm so curious about why you got interested in tufting, and um, that you know the significance of that that piece. Yeah. Which, I don't know. And I have a photo of it. Um, I don't know if you want to do me to do a screen share. Sure, um, sure. We'd love to see some images. Okay, let me. It looks like my <laughs> my internet connection is a little slow, so the quality is fuzzy to me, but. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, focusing on rug tufting over the past year, um, and got into that, uh, really, um, strange way, but have been focusing on that. And it's been, it's such in a, <laughs> such a pleasing, enjoyable, um, way to make things for me. Um, and, uh, so I said, it's, it's been something that I've been heavily focused on for the past year. So I wanted to use that same medium, um, to when I was sending something to Bareth and we had had some conversations about it before as well. And, uh, I should have uploaded, <laughs> I don't have on this computer for screen share, but, um, when you're tufting something, you're working from the back and essentially it's a, it's a machine. It's, I say it's like a nail gun for yarn. Um, it's, uh, just pushes yarn through another fiber medium. Um, so it's like an electric version of rug hooking. Um, and there's a lot of different variations for texture. The textures it's, yeah, it's incredibly pleasing for creating different textures. Um, and there's uh, it's cut yarn and looped yarn. And so I had taken a, a piece of a scrap of netting from <laughs> when I worked in the boatyard and had used that um, as a mock-up to draw a pattern on the medium and then um, and then tufted that. So it was, she has sort of a, a mini rug that she received in the mail. And again, that, that orange color that uh, linked both of us and the referring back to uh, webbing and, and netting. And there's a lot of, a lot of different symbolism there. And we had both used that in our work in different ways. And so that was one of the first, um, touch points for communication and, and relating to one another that we had. And so I focused on that for, um, for the first thing that I mailed to her. You had two very um, interesting questions that popped up while you shared that image. And one was from um, Petra Lyshevsky, an, an artist um, in Alaska who's a photographer. She asked, Do, could you envision sending unfinished pieces back and forth? Is it something you guys have talked about or? would consider yeah yes we we had initially talked about um actually taking a uh, a piece of that netting and 
sending it back and forth and that I would have some addition um, on that net and then send it to Barrett and then she would uh, add on to that and that we would focus on this sort of shared piece that went back and forth. Um, and we, <laughs> there were some logistics that we were concerned about. The, the netting that I have is, is very heavy. And um, so I, I think we had talked about that that's, that's still an option and that maybe these pieces that we're sending back and forth get um, integrated into that sometime in the future. Or maybe uh, I, I bring that larger uh, piece of net with me in my suitcase when I come to Sweden um, and do something with it there. So uh, yeah, I, I like that idea of um, uh, a shared piece that we've both contributed to and thinking about that. Well, also there's that element of the fact that your residencies are, are basically simultaneous when you guys switch. When, when, when Barrett comes to Alaska, we're planning it to be November, December, and that's about when you're going to Sweden, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like mid, early, early October through early December. So I think um, initially the, the plan or the idea was that there would be at least a uh, two to three week period where um, either Bareth's still in Sweden when I'm there or she's here when I come back um, so that that would, you know, we'd be able to see each other um, uh, in person somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. And to help each other kind of get your, your bearings. It, it seems to me too, that perhaps I'm just so curious about where this, this exchange will lead, but you could leave something for each other, you know, to, 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 um, kind of build off of like a seed, you know, yes. for something that can grow. That's exciting. Anything that you would add there to what, what Mandy has been um, talking about in terms of um, ideas for sharing? There was another concept that you you had touched on um, in some writings in preparation for this talk, which is the um, Kipu counting cord. Did you did you want to touch on that at all? And that sounds like a fascinating concept, um, Vera. Yeah. Um, uh, right now, uh, what I'm doing is sort of uh, thinking about all the stories that are not told or kept inside people during this pandemic time. I think there's a lot of frustration and, um, and stories that we might not even tell our closest friend because uh, we don't share that kind of thoughts. Uh, that easily with others. Uh, I mean, those thoughts that uh, might uh, hold despair and uh, giving up and all these thoughts. And then I thought if, if I would sort of do these knots that holds the stories that are secret, uh, no one knows what they mean, but it could be like a ritual that people could work on a big piece that I start somewhere in a room because that's the way I want to work most of the time. I want people to contribute with movements or stories. And uh, then we would probably end up with uh, a giant piece 
filled with knots and uh, kippo from the um, it is uh, is a way to communicate way back in the inca uh, inca society and uh, the ants so it is a system that uh, existed and still exists uh, and I think it's fascinating to talk about history way back and bring it into the, the present. We still are in need to communicate, but we don't know how maybe sometimes. So, what's that? Yeah, perhaps now more than ever because we're, we're faced. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I'm just thinking about how there's a lot of anxiety and tension today about connecting because some of the languages that we have have been so reduced to, to you know, um, immediacy and um, physical presence. And so now we're, we're having to, we're digging deeper. And, and it, I find it fascinating that you dug, you know, way back to this, this ancient form. And I've seen artists, you know, visit this Kipu um, counting chord concept um, a few different times when they're in a sustained space of isolation and focused creativity. So there's there's an abundance of languages that are probably available to artists and specifically artists could bring them forth to others as tools for managing isolation, for managing distance, for um, managing anxiety and for um, making something meaningful of long, solitary days. So mm -hmm. fascinating. Are there others in our group that might have questions or comments that they'd like to offer in the few remaining minutes of our precious time with these artists? Anybody is welcome to unmute and chime in if you have a question or a comment to share. It's really an honor to have others with us from across Alaska and Sweden. No other questions, comments? Bereth, did you have something you wanted to say? No, I just waved at people coming in <laughs> with their <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Well, I wanna thank you both so much, Mandy and Bereth, and especially Meta Muley from the Culture House, the Museum in Huevda, which has, um, found the resources to support a cross-cultural exchange during these pandemic times, in addition to supporting um, two residencies, which will eventually take place. We're all really looking forward to that. But the idea that the connections between the artists and our communities will be so much deeper because of the investment that the museum is making, that, that we're making through these dialogues, that you're making through your exchanges is, is actually deeply encouraging. It's really exciting. So I want to thank you all for, for joining us today. And we look forward to checking in again um, in a few months and learning more about some of the other really interesting projects. I hope that when Tomas is back, you can talk about um, the, uh, the project um, Utam Husen, if I'm saying it right. But thank you. Uh, thank you all. And um, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about cultural appropriation so with the shared universe group. Take care, everybody. Thank Be you. Well. Thank you.
enjoy thank the new Asia. Without you, this uh, collaboration wouldn't happen. So thank you so much. And thank you, Mandy and Barrett, for taking the opportunity to, to do this together with us. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Meta. Bye. Take Bye. care, everyone.